Hello and welcome back, everybody. If I only knew, be your favourite podcast with my co-host extraordinaire, Matty B. Say hi, Matty. Hi, guys. And guys, of course, my name's Fred C. Now, this week, we're talking about something that Matt just doesn't understand. We're having conversation and he didn't believe me that phones used to have cords. Oh, Fred. No, it's true, isn't it? You're giving me a disservice here. Come on, come on. No, no, no. We all know that that everybody of Matt's generation understands what cords on phones are all about, but it's not just for charging, Matt. They used to be linked to the base, (laughs) and you used to not carry them with you. All jokes aside, this week's topic is a really, really interesting one because Matt and I have had a conversation about how communication has changed across the generations. Now, it wasn't that long ago that the phone was a concept and good people like Marconi and others developed the communication that would one day be taken for granted we carry in our pocket. But there was a time when, not that long ago, the mobile phone didn't exist and it was in my lifetime, Matt, can you believe? I'm older than the mobile phone. That's why I want to talk to you about this, Fred. I think that's such an interesting idea. Like the pace at which this technology has just exploded is almost like unfathomable in the scope of how technology develops. Phones have just exploded and they're now like really prolific across the world as well. It's not just the rich elite can have a phone. Most people, a lot of people in the world can have phones and that's insane i think matt i'm going to give you a fact that will blow your mind Mm -hmm. they suggest that there is more processing power in a modern smartphone than there was on the first shuttle that landed on the moon can you believe it when you think about the size of the rooms that their computers back in the apollo days like used to occupy that's insane we've taken all that processing power multiplied it by 100 and stuck it in our pockets like that's crazy apparently in the days of apollo sexting used to take you four weeks <laughs> no you put it in a carrier pigeon fred come on carrier that's, that's, pigeon surely you that would have been what you did, did surely back in your day Look, back. <laughs> look, Matt, I was such a good-looking young man. I had a flock of carrier yeah, pigeons. Yeah. Most of them died of exhaustion, to be very <laughs> honest. There is a bit of a sinister side to the modern technology. It's the idea that with this sort of mobility of communication, we kind of don't really get that uh, free space and airspace that we used to get before the mobile phone. Now, everybody knows the story of the brick mobile phone that used to carry around effectively with a car battery. I want you to know, Matt, I'm not that old. Okay? <laughs> I came into it when mobile phones had just shifted from a big clunky handset to something that looks a little bit more like a bit of an old school um, cordless phone at home. They were still pretty big. They weren't big enough to put into a pocket. The first mobile phone I had was a Nokia that you pulled out an aerial and um, it had a clip that clipped on your belt. You had an aerial on your phone. It had a little skinny, really That's sexy really aerial. Funny. The nice thing about it was you, you use mobile phones really differently back then, Matt, because it cost a fucking fortune mm-hmm. to make a call. Now, the one feature that didn't even come into mobile phones until I got about my third one was this thing called texting. <laughs> Texting became this really remarkable, super cool thing that the early adopters realized phones could do. I remember the first time an envelope icon came up on my tiny phone screen, which was the size of a piece of Wrigley's chewing gum. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Today, I've been trying to turn voicemail off on my phone for the last little while because I just want people to send me a text. You see, things have definitely come a long way. 
And before this ends, Matt, I'm going to start, hit you with some rapid-fire questions about what young people use their phones for today. So just be prepared. Okay, I want you to know. I, I just want to say for the record, before I, I give Matt the chance to answer here, uh, Matt's meant to demonstrate a particular generation and you think all the studies that we've done and all these great things psychologists are fascinated by with things like device addiction are all geared towards studies that have been done with university students, aka people like Matt. Matt and I were on a phone, ho- uh, sorry, a video hookup yesterday. I forgot someone's name. So I thought he'll have his phone handy. I text him, never got a reply. See, Matt bucks the trend of his generation and, and has what I would consider to be really good smart device hygiene when he's focused on something. So I think we should get some sort of younger shithead that's not like his disadvantage. <laughs> not representative, yeah. Yeah, but no, it's all right. We'll go with the one we've got. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, mate, what's communication look like for you guys? And do you ever get a break from each other? Yeah, so I think that's really interesting for me because I, I've the reason that I'm so in on my like phone hygiene, I don't have my phone in my room, I always charge it outside and I don't look at it when I'm in meetings and stuff, is for this exact reason. Because if I'm not so disciplined on it, it's just going to overtake everything I do. I'm convinced of that and I can see it happening. So I really try to avoid getting to that stage in the first place. Um, we were chatting a little while ago about how back when you were like younger, starting into the dating scene and all that sort of stuff, you'd have to get someone's number, but then the number would be for the home phone number. And so, oh, to yeah. call them up, you'd have to like talk to their mum or talk oh. to their parents or something like that. that that's, that's nuts to me, right? I think the key distinction for me from everything that you've talked about, the way you grew up compared to how I grew up, is that now this communication technology is individualized. It doesn't belong to a household. It doesn't belong to a corporation or a government or whatever. It belongs to each person. And that means we've all got it. We can talk to each other right away and there's no middleman, no interruption or anything. And I think that's really like an opportunity, but also quite scary because I don't want my mates to be able to reach me at every minute of every day. Like, piss off for one second, please, yeah. is often how I feel about this. I'm definitely like mixed on on the value of this change and we'll talk a bit more about that I'm sure but the key change for me is just how individualistic all this technology has become it's in every person's pocket not in every household not in every office it's remarkable because I remember when I was up until well it never changed in my family home in that we always had one phone Mm. and it was only after we moved out that that one phone became a cordless phone and that was by choice uh, because my parents wanted the one phone, which was in the dining room, which is the central room in the middle of the house. They wanted the phone to be in a place where they could monitor the phone. Phone was a work tool. It was a communication tool. It was, it was lots of things, but it wasn't, wasn't about leisure. It was about truly talking to people, which made it really hard. And I have to say, every time that phone rang and it was someone that my parents didn't know, it led to a solid 15-minute intervention, you know, who is this person, why, okay, they're a friend from school, they in your class, what were they talking to you about? When you got a bit older and it was girls that started to call, there was always the interrogation, who is this girl, why is she asking for you, do her family know you, you're not doing anything wrong, are you? If you get someone pregnant... And it was all like, it's the phone that rang. And I have a great fear, Matt. I want to tell you, I have a fear of an old-fashioned ringing phone, but only on one day of the year because I'm an Italian-Australian descent. 
And on Christmas Day, the phone would ring, and instead of hello or how are you or season's greetings, you'd hear the word pronto, telefono, and that was a different thing because that's an Italian relative from the old country calling, and that would cause me absolute great anxiety, okay, because I don't speak Italian for shit except the swear words. So the phone was really the hub of everything, and in my dad's business, if you touch the phone, you were literally dicing with your life because if you were on it, nobody could reach you. They got an engaged signal. So phones at work were short, sharp, in and out. It's remarkable to me now how much noise is in my life because people can get to me directly. And I have to tell you, the real stretch for me is in my family home now, we don't have a landline. Yeah, neither. And I find that remarkable. I get it. I understand why. My wife and I don't need one. We're contactable on mobiles. There's no landline. This is such a fundamental difference, isn't it, I think? I love this idea of like you, that your home phone being a place of work, a place of, if not reverence, at least like respect, you know, it's, it's there for a purpose. It fulfills that purpose. That purpose is to develop the ability to talk to family and further business calls when it had to happen or something. I think that back when, when I was growing up, so even younger than I am right now, Fred, I know it's hard to believe, but back when I was nine and 10 years old, some of my earlier memories are taking the home landline, calling one of my friends, putting it on speaker next to me and playing an online video game with them while I talked to them on that home landline. I didn't have any of this fancy gaming set up with my headset, and my microphone, and everything. I took the landline and I played video games with it. And I think that's a really interesting distinction. I don't know if the way we were raised or just the fact that phones and the landline and stuff is, is now a part of leisure in my generation growing up rather than just a tool that you're using to achieve an end. I think that's really interesting. It's remarkable for me because I have to say on some level, I think my generation is probably more addicted to their phones than your generation. Mm. A very different sort of addiction, isn't it? But still yeah. just as connected. But ironically for me, Matt, my parents who are in their 80s, still suspicious of mobile phones. Yeah. Now, I want to say the thing about a landline phone when I was growing up was it was a parent's absolute best tool because they, and they would do it every month that came in, not from a money perspective, but my mum would check the phone bill to look for numbers that she didn't recognise. Mm. So I once con my brother into ringing an old 0055 number, which was a bit of a saucy number you could call right. back in the day, just because I knew he was he was older than me, but dumb enough to make the call not realising it was on the bill. The second my mother saw it, I got to just point to him and go, what did you do, John? What did you do? One of the greatest moments of my life, actually. But now I sort of look at it and think, um, if I left the house without my mobile, this happened to me the other day for the first time in ages, and within about two minutes, my hand is seeking my mobile phone while I'm in the car, and I'm very good with my mobile in the car. It's on the stand and all the rest of it. I instantly knew something was missing, and that was never what a phone was. It was never an appendage. But I have to ask you a question because I can get email on my phone and I can get text messages uh, and I can get video message. I'm on an iPhone, so I get the full suite of it. But why do you guys need to put extra apps on the phone to get the texts 
and the videos. When that's what the phone does. Uh, it's really interesting, Fred. So we've already talked about some of the good side of it, some of the bad side of this new technology. You know, it means you don't have to go through your parents to talk to your first love interests. Thank God. But equally, we can't get our hands away from these phones. That's that's a real clear distinction to me. Another, I think, another really strong benefit, another strong draw of this technology is the way that it builds community or can potentially build community. And so the reason that I have, I have a social tab on my phone, which has all the different social applications that I might be using in a day. And there's about six different applications there, right? So why on earth do I need six different tools to talk to different friends? Well, it's because different communities form on different apps. So my mainstay is Facebook Messenger because all my, my closer friends, we seem to talk through Facebook Messenger, which is how the group developed and grew. But other friendship groups were on Snapchat. And so I downloaded Snapchat to chat to them. Other groups still were on Instagram. And I had to download that to talk to their groups. And it's something about this sense of being a part of a community, being part of a group through this technology that I didn't want to miss out on when I was reaching out to new friendship groups or talking to different people or trying to integrate myself with friends. And I think that that's why I have such a, a variety of different tools. It's because on those different platforms are where different people inhabit. And I think that sense of like space and the, the time you're spending on an application is really important, really interesting as to why we, we pick certain things. Yeah. Sort of feeds into the idea that the technology has its addictive properties because it's a bit like a poker machine, you know. If one app's not paying off, you switch to another one. And there's this great reinforcing. There's a difference between active addiction to devices like gaming where you, you're in a, and I know you know gaming, you get your endorphic rush. And for you get sure. Your- That's what keeps me coming back to it, Fred. I, I have got a bit of a soft, a soft spot for video games, I have to yeah, say. definitely. Um, uh, you know, you're talking to a guy that had Mario on Super Nintendo. I know all about that. <laughs> but this passive addictive property of a phone is this idea of, are people noticing me? And it's not just a phone, it's your iPad, it's your smartwatch, it's anything where you can see if the world is interacting with you. Um, I posted something on Twitter and I won't say what, a comment about something and somebody that has celebrity responded to that and even I got the endorphic rush. They don't know me. It's not a real thing, but I can imagine that phones are a portal into, you talked about community, but they're a portal now into community reinforcement, which is very different from a dial tone phone. Now, I think one of the things for me that's really interesting, I want to ask a question, okay? You've got on your phone, you've got your community tab, right? I get that. Beautiful. And you've also got on your phone the um, this concept of separate communities on separate apps. How often do you just call someone? <laughs> I hate calling people. I basically don't like giving someone a ring to just be like, here's a call. What I will do instead is I will text someone, hey, can I call you? And when they text me back, I'll call them. There's something to me that feels like if I'm making someone's phone buzz, they might be doing something else, right? I might interrupt their concentration. They might be they might be driving. They might be busy. So I'm going to send them a text. It's more subtle. And then eventually I'm going to call them back when they say they've got the time. I think that's a fundamental difference in how I use technology to some of the adults that I've met in my life. My parents just call me all the time, which is totally fine. But there's this difference in approach to it. Is that is that surprising to you? I'm baffled. It's called a phone. It's not <laughs> called a message thing. It's called so. To first and foremost, can't we just can't you just say to the friends, we're all going to use this one app, okay? That comes free with the phone. 
And secondly, when you want me, bring me. And if I don't answer, it's because I don't want to talk to you, you see. <laughs> I, but I, I think this the social – I find it fascinating that the social convention about calling someone is now a secondary function of yeah. a phone. And no, it's not every young person that shares this, but, the, but there are like – myriad memes online that talk about the fact that boomers such as yourself will just straight away call people without any respect for texting them first. This is a this is not just me, it is a general sense of, well, calling can be invasive, so we're just going to text each other. I think that that's a key change in the functionality of the way we use these uh, phones. Interesting point, yeah. But isn't it remarkable to you that you know that calling somebody is also engaging in a way where you can make a decision not to answer right. Like, you get that right. Yeah, yeah, but I think there's... It's very rare that I will make the decision not to answer a phone unless I'm immediately busy right this second. Like, that, to me, that takes priority over most things because someone's tried to get my attention. It's like someone... It's like you're, you're, you're doing some cooking or something, Fred, I don't know, and someone, like, waves you down and says, oh, hey, Fred, can I have a minute of your time? You're not going to say, nah, fuck off, I've got to finish this right now. You'll entertain them as you continue to do the thing in front of you. That's very much how I feel. I mean, maybe maybe you would tell them to fuck off. I mean, knowing you, 50-50. Yeah. yeah, but but I wouldn't tell them to get to, yeah. to piss off because that's me. And so I feel obligated to entertain their time because they've come calling on me. And that's how I feel so about the phone. Scenario, right? Matt, you're there, you're out with friends, you're having a coffee and a croissant at a local coffee shop, you're talking about the events of the day and your mum rings. Yeah. And you go, oh, and you answer it because, yes. you know, and someone wants your attention. Yeah. And she says, Matt, did you leave the cat food on the counter because there's ants now? Now, does that make you mad? Like that intrusion into your headspace? I wish she didn't have the power to do that. But I'm not going to be like, like, to me, that's just part and parcel of living nowadays. You know, she had a question, she needed an answer, so she came to me. If she texted me, I'd have texted her back and I've been less pissed because I don't have to pick up a phone and answer a call and interrupt the flow of my conversation with my friends. But I don't see that as like, that's not unreasonable of her. It's just, oh, this sucks. Why is this happening? Sort of thing. So I've got to ask, given that, because I, I find this bizarre, right? Because yeah. talking to you the way we're talking now is the best. Yeah. Right? But even though your phone, your smart device, gives you better access than ever before in human history to communicate, your generation actively wants to limit communication and put in rules to say, don't use all the tools available to you. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. No, look, I think that's a fair, a fair enough query. And, like, you're right to say that this face-to-face or voice-to-voice communication is more authentic. I definitely agree with you on that, Fred. But I do think that we always have put rules around the different types of communication we use. And to me, this is just another one to facilitate the fact that we don't want our phones buzzing all the time with people demanding our attention. I, I feel like I can put off a message for a day. Someone sends me a message, I don't have the time to answer it. I'm just going to leave it for a while. Someone calls me, I don't feel like I can not answer that. Because they're going to be like, oh, why? Why did you not pick up my pick up the phone? So I think to me this is quite a reasonable rule because it's just creating another another um, tradition around the way in which we use communication uh, opportunities available to us. I'm convinced they'd have had similar um, customs with using telegraphs, with using a radio, using these things. You say, you say, oh yes, calling in, calling in, brr, over. And someone says over, and someone says over and out. To me, this is the same sort of custom as doing exactly that, Fred, but just 
in a very different setting for different reasons on the phone. I just want to say for the people that can't see us because we don't televise the webcast portion of this, Matt was doing old school um, telephone sign when he was using a two-way radio then, which is all you need to know about <laughs> here that the two-way radio is just a reference that Matt has from movies and stuff. I'm sure you're right about the over and out bit. You missed the 10-4 big buddy. That's yeah, look, not an expert, not an expert. That's okay, that's okay. Um, but here's the thing, though. Verbal communication via phones, you people don't want to pick them up and talk to each other because it's inconvenient. Talk to me about the other forms of communication on a phone because, actually, while we're talking, pick up your phone for me and tell me the apps in your social tab. I think I know it by heart, Fred. Um, okay. I'd say I've got Skype, which is one I don't use anymore, but it's there from a little while ago. Aged out, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah. So that's just there. I can't bring myself to get rid of it. It holds a special place in my heart because a lot of my first friendship groups were developed on Skype and they've been migrated elsewhere because Skype fell out of, fa- fell out of favor. But um, it's still in there. So I've got Skype. I've got Discord, which is a um, video game chat platform, more or less. So that's where the guys that I play video games with, we inhabit like a room in Discord and we talk to each other mostly via text. But there's very easy hop in, hop out voice channels in Discord. That's probably Mm -hmm. the place I'm most comfortable talking voice to voice because it's not someone coming to me calling me. It's me stepping into the ambient chat lobby that I can just talk to people. at the table in a pub. Exactly. Rather than them waving me down. Um, Then I've got Instagram, which is more for like sharing funny memes or or interesting images about people's lives or whatever. I've got a couple of- Bernie Sanders mittens. I'm so glad. Bernie Sanders mitten meme is top tier and there's been amazing stuff done with that. What else? Uh, Facebook Messenger is the one where I text the most on. Me and my mates have our groups there. And I'd have Snapchat as well, which I don't use much anymore. That was more for a high school thing, but like- it was it was just a spot people seem to use a lot of the time. It was trendy, so I got it. Is Snapchat the one where it, it deletes your messages? Yeah, yeah. It's sort of the it's the traditional one for nudes, but I'll admit, Fred, I never used it for that. Yeah, and and I'll admit I don't believe you. <laughs> the um, what about WhatsApp? Have you got? WhatsApp? Oh, I do have WhatsApp. That's a good point. I only have WhatsApp though because that's how um my men's basketball team, who I play with one of my older coaches, they're all sort of forty in their forties. They coordinate that particular basketball team through WhatsApp, so I had to get WhatsApp for that. So I see so that's my friends where I'm. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's exactly. There's this fundamental age distinction here because your communities are using WhatsApp and I've stepped into the WhatsApp community because I'm spending time with an older group of people and that's what they use, which was very interesting. And is TikTok a communication app or an entity? Oh, that's a big question. I would not put it in my communication folder, but some people definitely would. Um, It depends on how many friends you have on it and how many friends you share things between. So a few of my friends have like you know, five people they send TikToks to every day. I'd call that a social app myself. If you're talking to five people on it every day, that sounds social to me. Is TikTok for younger people than you? No, it is definitely not for younger people, but it represents something that I am very concerned about when it comes to technology, and that is the dopamine machine fueled by an infinite content loop. And we don't That's a very complicated idea for me to get into right now. But basically, I'm concerned about the way technology is manufactured to prime us with dopamine to make us keep coming back as an addiction, as we've talked about. But then that is facilitated by an infinite content trap where you never get to the end of your TikTok feed, Fred. It just keeps gives you and it gives you another video, and you get another video, and that's how algorithms got you caught. 
proverbial Pandora's box. You look at one TikTok, 72 hours later, you're looking at a guy repairing a rusty sword. <laughs> That's exactly right, Fred. No, because because they don't give you a way out. If it doesn't stop, you're not going to uh, look away. And that's this sort of trap that TikTok presents. And look, it totally can be used well. You can use it for great fun. There's some amazingly high quality TikToks that like my mates have showed me. No doubt about it. But I don't want to get in on that because I know that that content trap will trap me. And that's a problem. Well, there you go. And that's that takes a degree of insight that I think we worry that people don't have. Now, because I, I do think smart devices are fantastic time wasters. I, I want to ask a question. I want to hit you with some rapid fire stuff. Before I do that, though, when people of your generation take a photo of their food yeah. on the Insta Snapbook, is that communication or is that exhibitionism? Tell me tell me what that is. Yeah, I don't have much insight on this because it's not something that I think is at all remotely like valid behavior. For me, that's just exhibitionism. I've got this cool thing. I want to show it off. I'm certain that people that do it regularly would have an insight into the fact that their circles are all sharing their food. And therefore, it's a part of this community to be like, I found this cool new cafe, come down there next week with me, sort of thing. Or it's it's this process of, because we're all doing it, it's something that we share and therefore builds a degree of community. I'm personally sceptical about that. I reckon it's just this hit of dopamine, you get your likes, you go from there. But I haven't done it. So I can't say for sure that there is no value to it whatsoever. Fantastic. Now, what I'm going to do, rapid-fire questions, fascinate me, okay? Uh, the things you couldn't do on an old-school phone. Now, I want you to be authentic. It's just me, you, and maybe 100, 200,000 listeners if we're lucky, okay? So, first and foremost, do you watch YouTube videos on your phone? Yes. Communication or not communication? For me, it's definitely not. It's consuming entertainment. There okay, would be so people... Entertainment device rather than communication. For sure. Have you ever shared a photo of your food using your phone? I've shared photos of food I have cooked because I of the cooking process, not the food. And, and I'll be specific about that. Yourself for doing it. No, I don't because I was right. proud I'm of the cooking glad. process. Love yourself. If you can't love yourself, you get a how are you gonna love somebody else gonna get an amen. Now, has the communication device that is called a phone enhanced your dating life? My dating life, shit, Fred. Yeah, yeah, probably has. I'd say it's made things easier, I reckon. Tell me about how. Yeah, so I reckon it's meant that I've had easier access to significant moments with important partners or potential partners in my life. So a phone means that I can chat to these people whenever I'm interested in them or or when things are going well. And we can have really serious conversations. The most important conversations to my romantic life have been the ones that have taken place from about one in the morning to about three in the morning. You're talking about, you're bearing your soul to each other. You're talking about challenges and philosophy and how you see the world and life. And to me, that's primarily been facilitated by phones because it means that can just happen organically. You're chatting that evening, then you keep chatting that evening, and it doesn't involve driving to meet up. It doesn't involve... Can you, can you just confirm something. When you say chatting, mm-hmm. are you talking? Yeah, yeah, or sorry. That's all voice. That's all voice. Now, for me, it's all voice because that's a deep, important conversation. There are definitely people and friends of mine who've had those conversations via text, which is something different. Have you ever 
been in a group discussion and started another group discussion to bitch about a person that's in the current group discussion on any of your communication apps? No, but I've seen it happen twice. So I've been invited to those communities by other people twice. Yeah. Is that inauthentic? I think that it's not the right thing to do personally, but I'd put it back to you, Fred, and say, is it much different from being in a in a lunch with a group of people than walking away without someone and talking shit about them behind their back? Is it I much different? It same thing. Yeah. Um, and I want to tell the friends of mine that I know bitch about me on the separate WhatsApp app that I see you and stop doing it. Um, it's not my fault. I keep winning and you people keep losing at our regular card game. What would you do if you were if you lost your phone for a day? Assuming I knew I was going to get it back, I'd be pretty chill. I'd probably pull up Facebook on my computer and just so I could keep up to date with my friends and I'd just suck it up. Could you go a week without smart devices, including your computer? Including my computer? would suck because I get a lot of entertainment out of my computer. But assuming that everyone knew they couldn't contact me, I absolutely could. The problem for me is that if I just put all my devices away, everyone wonders where the fuck did Matt go? And that's just... And then people start trying to get in touch with you. People might worry. People are concerned. So for me, it's this web of social interaction that keeps me tied to it. But if everyone knows that I can't use it for a week, that's fine. Probably a question for me that I'm fascinated by. If you were to break it down into a pie chart of percentages, communication being one part of the pie chart, entertainment being another part of the pie chart, sort of information like yep. Googling stuff, maps, that sort of thing, another part of the pie chart. When you think about specifically your phone, what's the pie chart look like by percentage? My and phone. My phone specifically, that's very interesting. 60% communication, 100% because it's my phone. 20% information, 20% entertainment. That's probably somewhat unusual among young people because I do a lot of my entertainment on my iPad. I have a lot of YouTube that I watch on my iPad, which is where I get slightly bigger video screens and I get to enjoy all my YouTube through that. If we counted both those devices, 50% communication, 50% entertainment, and 20% uh, can't do maths. But no, you're about right there. Uh, two last questions. Have you ever emailed or texted while you're on the toilet? Yes. Have you ever taken a call while you're in the bathroom? Taken a call? I have not, but multiple of my friends have while I'm chatting to them, which is not something I enjoy. Totally not okay, and I think under any circumstances, it should be condemned royally. I ask those questions because... I want you to think about the fact that in my lifetime, a phone has gone from a thing on a wall to everything you just said you can do with a device in your pocket. Even the idea of FaceTime and texting, that was Star Trek stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. It was remarkable. Are we better for it? Are we worse off because of it? My take on it is, with the exception of those people and there's always people in society that go to extremes. In general, it gives us more than it takes from us. Yeah. I definitely see this technology as a tool that can be used well or used poorly. Unfortunately, I think it's a tool that is manufactured to encourage you to use it poorly. I think it is manufactured to get you addicted to it, to keep your attention coming back to it, because that's how the people 
who own apps and that sort of thing get you to come back in. So I see that as the danger to it, but I definitely think it's a neutral tool that we can choose to use well or poorly. And I think the opportunity it presents is simply unfathomable in its potential. I think many years ago, a software developer said to me that the entire industry around apps was designed to develop the next killer app because the first killer app, can you guess what the first killer app was? No idea. was text messaging. It was an inconsistent function of the technology that they never predicted would take off the way it does. Now we all have multiple apps that do that one thing but have different features. And I honestly don't know the difference between WhatsApp and just using my phone. Mm. I'm not even going to lie. I don't understand why I have WhatsApp because we can do it on text. I love the fact that on my phone I get pictures of my daughter from my wife or my great-nephew from my niece and I can see little videos of kids running around that, you know, we we can communicate overseas rather than that 10-minute phone dial with the rotary phone. I can text a, a relative overseas and swap photos of my family with theirs in real time. Exactly. Um, I was on the phone to the UK last night. Once upon a time, that kind of call, Matt, would cost you hundreds of dollars. Yeah. So I think in a lot of way, it makes the world a smaller place. I love the maps function on a phone. Oh, that is incredible. True. Yeah. Our staff uh, at our business can use a lot of our technology via their phone. They've got dedicated lines, dedicated video chat. There's something that you've said that really, really is my great fear is that people are getting smarter and smarter at hooking people into devices to make it a bit of a black hole. And uh, it's that, that sad thing you see of people sitting out in a beautiful day at a beautiful cafe staring into a phone screen. And that's probably the bit where I think maybe we need a reality check. But um, this has been fascinating today, Matt. I've learnt a lot about you, and um, I'm going to instruct IT to to scrub your phone for nudes because um, not only am I older and not as good looking at you, but uh, I don't want to feel inadequate in case one of those hits the word server. Again, guys, this has been another fantastic podcast. Matt B, as always, a flagship of the fleet and a pride of his generation that is just a wealth of knowledge for old, decrepit souls like me, we'll do our very best to keep you guys informed in regards to the things that we think make a difference to the generations. Now, I'm going to say goodbye for this week to you, Matt, one of your best. Oh, this has been very interesting, Fred. Uh, Some real good questions from you, some more questionable ones, but some real good ones as well. I've enjoyed it tons. Thank you. We'll catch you next week. Say goodbye, Matt. See ya. Until next time. Matt, I want you to forget about JobKeeper and JobSeeker and all those sorts of things. And I want you to think about those most vulnerable in our society that are better when they're working than when they're not. Despite the uncertainty of the last 12 months and what 2021 is shaping up to look like, The truth of the matter is, regardless of where we find people, they are always better if they're working than when they're not. There are still opportunities out there and they're excellent providers designed to get people working. However, as we all know, some of the stuff that keeps people away from work is unseen. It's the absent but implicit. Back to Work is the only company of its type that offers psychological and physical interventions to people on schemes like the Job Active and Disability Employment Scheme, and those services delivered by credible allied health professionals are designed to remove barriers to work. Once we can help people deal with their barriers, 
and get them ready for work, then they can go on to the independence, choice and control that they deserve. No one is better than when they're working. So if you're interested in getting back to work services included for your casebook, for the people that you're treating, or for those that are dealing with a job network provider or disability employment provider and not getting access to services like these, call 1300 817 791. That's 1300 817 791. Back to work is truly unique, our one of a kind opportunity for allied health professionals to help people understand and enjoy the world of work. Reach out now. Let's change a life. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Better Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.